Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Really excited about today's episode when I'm going to be talking to three of our reporters. I have Brooklyn Han, Flavia Nunez, and Maria Volkova to talk about the big stories in real estate and mortgage that they reported on this week. But before we begin, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Maverick Solutions, first guarantee mortgage corporation's proprietary suite of non-agency and non-QM products. When you need a lender that can handle the unique needs of today's borrowers, look to FGMC and Maverick Solutions. Whether your client requires flexible income documentation, is a first-time investor, has experienced credit challenges, or needs a jumbo option, Maverick Solutions has got you covered. Maverick Solutions products are available through wholesale and non-delegated delivery. Learn more about Maverick Solutions at fgmc.com maverick. First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID 2917-5800 Tennyson Parkway, Suite 450, Plano, Texas 75024. Okay, let's dive in. I have Brooklyn, Flavia, and Maria here. I'm so glad to have them on. Really excited to introduce them to our audience um, in on a podcast format. They are uh, up-and-coming reporters with us doing great work, and I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves, uh, starting with you, Flavia. Hi, Sarah. I'm Flavia Fulanunes. I'm a mortgage reporter for Housing Wire since September. I'm originally from Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I spent more than 10 years uh, covering business and economics before moving to New York City one year ago. And I have a master's degree in economics and business reporting for uh, Columbia University. Thanks, Flavia. Great to get to know you a little bit more. Maria, you're next. Tell us about you. Hey, Sarah. Uh, my name is Maria Volkova, and I'm also a mortgage reporter at Housing Wire. Uh, and I've been reporting since July of 2021. So it's been half a year. Um, I'm a graduate from the University of Maryland, uh, where I studied journalism, and I'm originally from Russia. Great. We're so happy to have you on board. Uh, Brooklyn, you're next. Hi, Sarah. I am a real estate reporter uh, at Housing Wire, and I've been here uh, also since September. I cover mainly agents, brokers, and also the title insurance industry. Um, I graduated last May from Southern Methodist University with a uh, major in German and minored in journalism. And uh, prior to joining Housing Wire, I was an international figure skater representing Australia at the 2014 Winter Olympics. I'm pretty sure none of our audience saw that one coming. So a uh, really interesting tidbit there uh, that we have a former Olympian uh, in, our, in our midst here. All of you guys are doing great work. Really excited to have you on. So welcome to the podcast. All right. But looking back over this week, we saw mortgage rates rising quite a bit. And we had some good news on, on delinquency rates. Flavia, you covered delinquencies. Uh, what was the news there? So, Sarah, according to CoreLogic, Mark Gage, uh, delinquency rates hit prep 
pandemic levels in October. So 3.8% of mortgages were delinquent by at least 30 days, including foreclosure. And uh, the share was close to the 3.7% rate registered in the same period of 2019, so two years ago. And for two reasons. First, labor market improvements, and second, home equity increases. Uh, regarding employment, uh, the report found that 82% uh, of the jobs lost in March and April of 2020 were recovered by October, uh, accounting for 18.2 million Americans that were uh, back at work, uh, an impressive number. Frank Mertel, president and CEO of CoreLogic, said uh, there are also benefits of disciplined uh, underwriting practices over the past decade that are helping to reduce or avoid uh, mortgage delinquencies. So, yeah, big news uh, and good news for the industry. <laughs> yeah, you know, the headline was that um, delinquency rates went back to pre-pandemic levels. So that is a marker that we've been looking for, right, to see how. And, and as you pointed out, a lot of that is the fact that we have uh, improved economic security. Big part is the jobs. So uh, the report from CoreLogic found that 82% of the jobs lost in March and April were recovered by October. So, you know, I think that's that's key. Anytime people have a job, um, they can, you know, they can make their payments easier. Um, you know, in, in several of the articles that our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami writes, he really makes the point that the people who have mortgages right now are, are very, um, they're in good financial shape and they did get their jobs back if they lost them at all. So uh, that was great news. Um, you also reported on um, the mortgage rates, which we saw a significant increase in the last survey, uh, rising to 3.45%. So we will, you know, we write those up every week and we keep a, a, a big eye on that because it's it's key to our audience's business. But 3.45% still very historically low. Um, and yet we know, we we hear the conversations that LOs are having, we, we you know, people uh, that we talk to, there's definitely some, uh, definitely some, Soul searching going on like, okay, how are we how are we gonna do this? And 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 as we swing back to that purchase market. So we're always keeping a close eye there. We also had several lender-focused stories this week. And Flavia, you reported on one concerning guaranteed rate, uh, which closed down the wholesale division of Stearns. And yeah. they only bought that last year. So what did the company say about why they made that decision? Yeah, Sarah, uh, we had access and revealed an email that Victor Chardale sent to brokers. And he wrote that the company win market share by having a laser focus on leveraging the purchase platform that is used mainly by the best loan officers in the business. So he said it was a really hard decision. Uh, and the mayor explained that uh, the last day for closing a transaction is February 28. Mm, guaranteed rate uh acquired Stern's holding January 2021, so one year ago exactly. And we don't know how much they paid to the financial uh, giant Blackstone Group, which also acquired a stake in guaranteed rate as part of the transaction. 
Uh, and in 2020, Stearns originated uh, 20 billion in loans. It was before the accession. And it had a wholesale channel that was the largest in the in industry as recently as 2013. But the company was losing market share to UWM. And after the transaction uh, last year, guaranteed rate uh, originated 90 billion for September 2021 in Lowens, an 81% increase compared to 2020. And it puts the company as number eight uh, among the top uh, mortgage lenders in the country. Uh, in the country, So the message here, I think, is that guaranteed rate will be focused on loan officers, actually. And some of them are originating more than or almost $2 billion in a year, which is also quite impressive. I think it's a really interesting move right now because just uh, this week, Penny Mac, right? Uh, or maybe it was last week, but but just recently, Penny Mac launched a new tech platform in the broker channel, Penny Mac TPO. This follows, you know, we've, we've seen Rocket and other people really focus on their TPO division and really go after the wholesale. So it's interesting to see um, guaranteed race direction. So um, uh, interesting times as normal. Uh, thanks for that, Flavia. Maria, you wrote an article um, this week on a lender and hiring, but kind of going in the other direction, which is reporting that non-QM lenders uh, were actually looking to hire loan officers. So the non-QM lenders you talk to who are hiring right now. Yeah, the non-QM space right now is really beefing up uh, their hiring. Uh, some of the big companies that are looking for mainly LO and processor talent are Griffin Funding, Acra Lending, Nufi, and Angel Oak. Uh, so it's a handful of companies. And uh, in all, from kind of looking through like job websites, around 130 job openings right now uh, amongst these companies. We've seen the uh, a resurgence of the non-QM space as, as we recover from the pandemic and you've got people and, you know, we have this whole time had self-employed gig workers, people who maybe don't fit into the QM box, but are still very um, valuable to lenders. Lenders want to uh, lend to them. They're, they're good candidates. They have good FICO scores. They might have high incomes. Um, they just don't fit into that box. So really interesting to see as we reported on um, some other lenders laying off people, right? We had the big debacle with uh, better.com not that long ago, um, laid off 900 people. But here we see the QM market really uh, gearing up. So uh, really interesting to see that. Brooklyn, I want to bring you into this discussion. You wrote an article for our sister site, Real Trends, about the number of uh, Black mortgage applicants who were denied at a higher rate than other at survey and what it found. The study was published by Zillow, and it was an analysis of data from the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act. Um, and the study found that nearly one-fifth of Black mortgage applicants were denied. And this was the highest rate among all races. And compared to white mortgage applicants, Black applicants are denied 84% more often. Um, credit history was the most commonly cited reason for these denials. Um, and typically in Black communities, there are a high number of non-traditional financial services such as payday lenders, and the use of these services can significantly hurt credit health. 
Um, so the study also found that the rate of black home ownership has improved from since the Great Recession, reaching 44 percent. It's still below the 2004 peak um, of 49.7 percent. In addition, uh, black owned home values are still worth about 16 percent less than home values overall. And while black owned home values are appreciating at a higher rate than homes overall, um, at this year's forecast appreciation, it would take over 22 years for them to catch up. Um, of course, you know, there are different programs and things that need to be put in place for black homeowners to obtain mortgages or black home buyers to obtain mortgages. Um, and, you know, one bright spot that has recently come about is um, the adoption of policies by Fannie Mae allowing rental payments to count toward credit history, which is definitely a much needed step to improve credit and and to improve the credit and financial access gap. It's really that gap is, has been uh, top of mind for this administration. And they are, to your point, trying to do uh, looking at it from a lot of different angles. I literally just got off a lunch and learned where we were talking about um, appraisals and and how the industry, how the federal government, how, you know, just as a whole, um, we kind of tackled a, a appraisal bias and also just the historic um, leftovers of, of appraisals of Black neighborhoods historically that, that were valued very low. If you're using comps to, to then value them now, um, really you're, you are continuing that same pattern. So it's a story that we try to tackle from a lot of different angles or an issue we, we try to tackle from a lot of different angles. And so we're always looking at you know things like this report and others to try to shed light there. Um, definitely on a, on a lighter note, we, uh, Brooklyn, you also, you talk about some of the hot housing markets, especially in places that we don't expect, right? We all know like, oh, coastal cities, of course, you know, uh, San Diego, whatever, but you kind of find the markets where, uh, it might surprise people to know how hot they are. And so your, your most recent one is Rochester, New York. Um, so what are local agents saying about that market? So Rochester, New York is definitely an unexpected hot housing market. Um, but in November of 2021, uh, Realtor.com rated it the third hottest housing market in the country. Um, and, you know, eight local agents really are kind of still amazed at how hot the market there is um, since kind of the onset of the pandemic when people started really buying homes, looking to relocate because they now had flexibility with work from home or, you know, maybe they just wanted to start fresh somewhere else or move out of their cramped city apartment to somewhere with a backyard. Um, the market's really picked up, you know, since kind of May of 2020. Uh, this past spring and summer, it was uh, a market like most of the agents had never seen before. Um, you know, they said that it was unprecedented, that it left them breathless, um, that it was kind of chaotic, but also really fun to work in. Um, and then things kind of cooled down a little bit to the sense that, you know, it was less stressful to help a seller kind of decide which offer to accept because they weren't getting, you know, 40 or 50 offers anymore. It was more like 20 offers, which is still 
a huge amount, but much less to kind of sift through and go through. Um, and, you know, since kind of mid-September or so, things have cooled down a little bit more, as would be expected with the start of school um, and then the holiday season. But it's still a high level of demand. They're still seeing multiple offer situation. Home prices in December uh, or the median sale price in December was still, you know, about 3% or 4% higher than it was the year before. Um, so prices are still climbing. Um, you know, a lot of people are moving to Rochester because, you know, they can have access to some city-like amenities. Um, Eastman School of Music is there. So there's a huge culture and art scene. Um, it's on Lake Ontario. So you also have access to some beautiful uh, nature and wildlife. The Finger Lakes are a short drive away. So it does offer kind of the culture, the arts, the restaurant scene that, a, you know, a bigger city has with more of a small town vibe. Um, one of the big things that a lot of people like is there's not a lot of traffic. So, you know, that that's something that uh, is really appealing. Um, so and they're also seeing a lot of buyers who originally you know, grew up in the area. One of the agents calls called these boomerang buyers who grew up in Rochester, maybe, you know, moved away for university, got a job in New York City. And now, you know, maybe they're ready to start a family. Maybe they have work from home um, flexibility and they've decided to move back to where they're originally from and just you know, take advantage of the different amenities and things available to them as they maybe start their family or just start this next phase of life. You know, we've seen that idea. Um, that's the first time I've, I've heard them called that, but definitely that idea of people who are from an area they left because, you know, that's not where the jobs were because they wanted to seek their fortune somewhere else. And now moving back, um, I feel like that is the story of the last 18 months, last two years. Um, me personally, I'm a mom. I have four kids, none of whom uh, live near me. So maybe rumoring urge as well and move back to the DFW area. But um, I think that's really interesting. You know, last week um, you reported on Paradise in California. So yeah, it's a coastal city, but it was pretty much wiped out by the campfire. Um, uh, what did you find there? And, and I think the thing that always strikes me about that, that we're seeing across the country is that even in places that are in these like climate zones, whether it's wildfires or floods, there's really no slowdown in, in, uh, in home buying. Yeah. That was really something that I found interesting with the paradise market is that, you know, there is still a pretty high demand for houses, even though, you know, the risk of fires and, you know, danger from that type of um, climate disaster is really evident. You know, it wasn't that long ago that this happened. There are a lot of other fires that have come close to the area, um, but they are seeing kind of the same, a similar phenomenon of people who are originally from the area or maybe were even impacted by the fires that have moved to nearby Chico, but want to come back. They feel it's time to come back to paradise. Um, and so they're seeing some buyers like that. And they're also seeing buyers who, you know, the home prices in paradise are less expensive than other parts of California. And they're willing to risk it for, um, 
you know, for being in California and having a lower cost of um, property. So that's that's kind of one of the main reasons that people are looking there. And for some people, you know, the fire risk outweighs the lower home cost. So they're not looking there. And that's something a lot of agents kind of have to discuss and balance with their clients. Um, another concern is maybe they want to look there and they're not really concerned about the fires, but they might not be able to afford the added cost of fire insurance. And there's a big discrepancy from even plot to plot with how much fire insurance costs and who it's available from. Um, so that's a big concern. Um, and then also one of the big tips that I thought was really interesting from one of the agents was that, you know, maybe your property is really, you know, you do a good job of clearing away brush and other things that could be potential fire hazards, but what are your neighbors doing? Because, you know, if the neighbors aren't doing anything to upkeep their property and to, you know, hopefully prevent some fire danger, um, it's not really going to help you in the long run. It's a great point. And I, I know some of the reporting was like, you know, people have an idea in paradise specifically, a lot of people who moved away to Chico or other areas actually have come back, as you said. But, you know, for people who are visiting it for the first time or other areas, when they actually see it for themselves, it can be a little intimidating. It's like, oh, I, OK, I knew there was fire. But to see this just like black and charred area. Right. And then again, in paradise and other areas like that, um, it's not that home builders there can can put homes up any faster than anywhere else in the country. In fact, maybe less so as things are getting settled. So I, I think you really have some compression there because there's just not a lot of homes to buy. Exactly. Well, we uh, will definitely keep looking uh, out for that series. It's one of my favorites. Um, and really, I, I just wanted to say thank you to all of the reporters here. We'll be talking to you guys going forward. I hope our audience gets a, a chance to get to know you guys a little bit more. Each of you has your own area of expertise and, and the beats that you cover. And I would love to have you on again. But thank you for being on today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great weekend. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk each and every day. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. We'll see you back here on Monday.